What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here. A brand new episode of R2C2. We have the GOAT. The most coveted guest in R2C2 history. Family feud answer number one. If you ask our audience who they most want to hear on this pod, the wife of my co-host, Amber Sabathia, makes her R2C2 debut next. What's up, everybody? We back. Another week, R2C2. Special week. Special week, man. This is our, our Christmas week edition. We're releasing on Monday rather mm-hmm. than Thursday because of the holidays and because you have a big documentary coming out on HBO on Tuesday night, December 22nd. And because we get to talk to, I would say, the most coveted guest as far as our audience is concerned, your wife, the legendary Amber Sabathia, is with us. Yep. Amber, the day has finally come. Ryan, I'm trying to take your job. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, well, you know what's funny is I used to say, like, I used to be tell Cece, I'd be like, hey, I was like, we sh- like Amber will be amazing. Like, we should get her on. And he'd be like, no, 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 because I know she'd be amazing. You don't understand. <laughs> I'm saving your job by not having her on. Trust me. She will be my co-host the second she comes on here. So I had a good three-year run. And, and you know what? It, you know, it's, it's time to get you on. Some changes need to be made. Some changes need to be made. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, see, I mean, are you are you ready? I mean, you've waited a long time for your wife to, to have her debut episode on the pod. Yeah, no, nah, this is good. I mean, it, it, it and it makes sense. You know, we got the we got the doc coming out, and you know everything's coming out on Tuesday. So you know to have her on now is perfect. It's, it's awesome. So Amber, let's. I mean, there's so many things we uh, we can ask you, want to ask you, and I can't tell you how many people, and you might have seen some of them, were tweeting at us when we announced you were coming on, all fired up. Um, but how about let's let's start with the doc because what I think is so cool is you and our coordinating producer for R2C2, Sadie Zillow. You all just, you, you went out and shot this yourself. You know, you got footage right. the final year. You arranged it. And now, uh, you know, I know HBO, you know, purchased it. They put, you know, their amazing touch on it, obviously. And, and it's going to be, you know, it's your doc on HBO on Tuesday night. But what were you guys thinking? Like when you, when you went into the project, when you came up with the idea, what was kind of the vision and, and, and why did you think it was important? So uh, the, the, the whole thing started CC, the beginning of his before spring training, right before he was going to spring training, he uh, CC has amazing ideas. He a genius, right? But then <laughs> we make a great team because I'm the one that executes it. So he called me, babe. I got an idea. I want to record my final season, and you know I have these big milestones coming up, and I think it'll just be a really good idea just to you know put it on film. And I said, okay, CC, but you know what comes with that. Um, there's production, there's, you know, approvals, you know, we can't just go and film at Yankee stadium. It's not that easy. And CC goes, yeah, yeah, you could figure that out. I just want to film this. And so <laughs> I reached out to Sadie. We started working with Sadie uh, years ago, uh, R2C2 amongst many, many other things. And um, I call her my sister wife. Uh, so Sadie <laughs> and I, we got together and and made it happen. And um, when we started filming, we had no idea this would be an HBO documentary. Um, never in our wildest dreams. 
did we think it would get this big? Um, but we knew we had something magical. And as the year went on and the footage we were getting, we realized it was something bigger than just his final season. That he, what got him to his final season, we had to tell the story of, of all that came before that. Mm. And when we went to HBO with what we had, HBO felt that they could really um, put their touch on it and make it a HBO original documentary. And um, we're honored that they uh, definitely took our idea and what we filmed and made it their own. And it's a beautiful piece. Um, I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of Cece and him telling his story um, truthfully, honestly, and as open as he is with from beginning to end of, um, you know, his 19 seasons in MLB and all that came before that. So it, it's a great piece. And we couldn't have done it without Sadie. <laughs> um, and and I'm just so I'm so proud of it. I mean, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. See, I don't know. I don't know if I've even asked you, but like, wh- how often were you guys shooting in your final season? How how um, often do you have cameras on you? We probably shot. We probably filmed about seven or eight times. Huh? Like different events. Um, we did the the Yoda when I when I passed out uh, the bobbleheads. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. filmed back in Vallejo. Um, we obviously we did the three thousand. I think they came on that whole trip where they were in Anaheim and they were in uh, Arizona. Um, man, I mean, we filmed a lot. We did we filmed All uh, Star in Cleveland. We did uh, even after the season when I went and got my heart checkup. We we filmed that part. Um, so it was it was so lot. many different. We, yeah, we did. We filmed a lot. We even um, because you know I started the season late this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I remember I was like the first two weeks I was still down in Florida. So yeah. we even filmed, you know, packing up that house down in Florida, all that stuff down there. And, you know, even some of like the minor league, uh, you know, part access of spring training, we got a chance to film. So, you know, having Sadie on our team and and being able to have access to everything, basically Yankees and all the stadiums, I think made, made it for a better dot, uh, honestly. Yeah, you need, you, you need the footage like that. The fact that you guys have that is amazing. Amber, when you... When you watch it back, what's the thing that stands out most to you or that makes you most emotional? Uh, I definitely cry the whole documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think Cece and I have watched it five times now and we still cry when we watch it. Um, What's most emotional is seeing the hardships um, and watching that and, you know, just knowing the things that Cece had went through. Um, But he's overcome them. And so it's, it's that sad happiness, if that makes sense. It's like, we're so sad, but then you're so happy. And it's just a, an emotional film. At the end, you just have to go to sleep. <laughs> like, and like a little newborn baby where you're like crying yourself to sleep. You're like, okay, after this documentary, I'm just going to go to sleep. Um, so it's so many emotions watching it. Uh, but it, it's, it's so moving. And I, I guess it's just the overall ending of it is just makes for a great story. I think yeah. the most emotional thing for me is hearing my dad's voice, like mm-hmm. hearing his voice. And then even a couple of times in the doc, like they cut from my face to his face or his face to my face. And like, we look exactly alike right now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, that's the hardest part is like hearing like his voice and even seeing some of his, like the early clips in Cleveland, him and in in, in how excited he used to get in the stands and like him missing that whole New York run and, and like the World Series and like all of that stuff uh, that, you know, that that's the most emotional. That's why I get emotional when I see him in, in the doc. Mm. I, you know, the other thing you brought up, Amber, is the the honesty, right? The vulnerability. Right. And I think the thing that I, you know, and, and I've known CeCe since he came to the Yankees, but obviously we got to know each other 
even better over the years. And then especially over the last three or four years doing the podcast. But the thing I always tell people is like, CC is so incredibly authentic, you know, like he's, he, he's very just like genuine to who he is and very comfortable in his own skin. But I always hear C on this pod say he wasn't always like he wasn't always this way. Like this happened post post alcoholism, right? Post rehab, getting to that place. I mean, how much of a change have you noticed in that, Amber? Just like that that comfort with revealing your full self, you know, in these last five years. It's it's been huge. It's it's one of the steps in his sobriety is being comfortable in his skin and who he is. And rehab helped him figure that out, that some of his anxiety and things that he was dealing with um, with the alcoholism came from, you know, the anxiety of being as social and open and telling his truth. And um, in the doc, he says in one line, um, I had to go and I had to make it public. And since he was able to make his, you know, the, the announcement of him going to rehab public, I think he realized how how at being so honest and authentic, how empowering that is for him. That like when I speak my truth and I tell people what I'm going through, how I feel and what's going on, it, it helps me. It lifts a, um, a burden off of me just telling my being in my truth. Um, and, and this doc, um, when I said we cried, we showed it to our kids for the first time um, last weekend. And that was big because that was like the final step for Cece being in his truth. Um, our kids were really young when CC had went to rehab. Our, our youngest was five. And we, I don't want to say we hid it from him, but mom did a great job on not letting him know um, yeah. why dad was gone for 30 days. Yeah. Um, so that was their first time hearing about it and knowing that dad had uh, suffered with alcoholism. And so that was kind of like the last step of his truth was telling his four children. You know what I think about when I think about like living my truth or like living or like why I wanted to make it public as far as like not hiding my alcoholism mm -hmm. or going to rehab or anything like that. Babe, remember we went to that, I got an award in Chicago. It was like athletes against uh, against drugs or you remember that? Uh, like, it was Stedman's foundation, um, athletes against, against alcoholism and substance abuse. Yeah. And, and I was, I got the award and I was hung over. Like, and, and it was just like, what the fuck, am, like, am I doing? You know what I'm saying? It was just, mm. I, I, like, at that point, I don't even know what year that was. I was, like, fed up with it, like, everything. So, like, by the time I had went to rehab, and, and I think it shocked a lot of people, but I was just exhausted of, like, of, like, not living myself. And I think that's why I'm so comfortable in my skin now is because everybody knows I'm an alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? And I have no fucking mm. problem saying that. I have no problem, you know, living in that. But before that, I, I mean, I couldn't do that. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, I mean, see, if you're, th if you think of like a light bulb moment, was that, was that the biggest light bulb moment for you or what, if I not, mean, I, then what? I could have said it was a light bulb moment, but I kept, I continued no. drinking after that. So it mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, I don't think the, the light bulb moment didn't come until I couldn't, I could, as long as I could go out and pitch and, and, and be out on the field, I didn't think there was a problem. So mm -hmm. the moment that I couldn't actually do my job and you'll see that part in the doc, then that's when I was like, okay, then this is now that, I mean, when, when I, when baseball, when I was taking baseball away from myself, then that's when I knew it was time for me to go get help. Mm. And I'm excited in the doc. I think one of the things that we dealt with that year when CC went to rehab is a lot of people think when, when a, when an athlete goes to rehab is because he did something right. Yeah. So everybody, ev that was one of the biggest things in the media was where's Amber? What happened to Amber? What did he do to her? Did she, she threatened him or she forced him. And I'm, 
so excited for people to see that Amber had nothing to do with this decision. Um, if anything, it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, wait, crisis mode. We could fix this. You can go to rehab in the off season. We cannot tell anybody. We can keep it secret. I could work around I, this. We had, we had a fight about that. Like she was like, nah, you can wait till the off season. I'm like, it's fucking stupid to wait till the off season. And then I yeah. come back the next yeah. year and then I'm tippy toeing around. George King, because he probably knows that I yeah. went to rehab. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, no, like, I, then, I, then now I'm really fucking not living my truth. And now, yeah. I, you know what I'm yep. saying? So, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't have been right if I wouldn't have made it so public. And that's why when Chris Young said that to me, he was like, you know, you this is a hard decision to make right now, but if you go into rehab and you, and you can make this right, you're going to come out a hero. And I didn't think about it in that sense. I just thought about a hero in, in my own self, in my own family. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I was like, man, I got to go and I got to make this public. Yeah, because yeah. internal, internally between Cece and I, we had dealt with alcoholism, with couples therapy and medication and different things like that, that we were trying, you know, we were trying to fix it ourselves. And Cece got to the point where he realized he couldn't fix it himself mm-hmm. um, and made the decision on his own, which is one of the things that I'm so proud of. And you'll see it in the doc that, you know, he did this on his own and he's, you know, taking the steps on his own and no one else. So, um it's just a proud wife moment, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm so proud of him. It's it's so amazing to to see this. I mean, there's I, I, going through that obviously has a million challenges for both of you, for your family, everything, right? And then you talked about the reward of, um, you know, the way you feel on the other side being authentic. But I also I think there's two things that it also does that I think provide inspiration for people, right? Like one is the you know the hey. You can come out on the other side. You can, you know, you can still, you know, have your dream job. You can put everything back in place. You can thrive in multiple careers. But I, I also just think seeing how comfortable you are talking about it and showing it, I think that provides inspiration too, right? It's not just that the like, oh, I overcame it, and this is a trauma that I can't address at all. But I overcame it, and here I am. Because there's there is trauma like that, right? Where like you can't think about it. Yeah. But but you got past it. But what's interesting to me is like you have this this trauma, and not only did you get to the other side of it, but the the way you're able to very like openly address it and talk about it, I think that also provides a sense of relief to anybody who's struggling, whether it's with alcoholism or any other sense of trauma. Yeah, but I, but I think, it, I mean, I had to go to rehab to get to that place where I can talk about it because the trauma of so many deaths in my life is what led me to the alcoholism, you know, mm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. So not dealing with my grandmother passing away, my dad, and, and, and in the doc, they, we just talk about my dad and my cousin, but like my grandmother passed away, my dad passed away in December, my uncle passed away in February of that year, and then two months later in, in uh, April, my cousin passed away. So like within six months, I lost three like major people. Mm. And I never dealt with the, I never grieved. I never dealt with the, with that trauma, which led me to, ang- you know, like being angry and I felt feeling abandoned and all these different things that would come out when I was drunk. So mm. it took me to, like, it took me down this dark path of, of not expressing my feelings to get to a place where I went to rehab to be able to learn how to express them and to be able to share with people, if that makes sense. So it was it was a long road to get to that, you know what I'm saying? And 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 but I'm I'm glad that I'm here now and to this point where, you know, I've I've kind of dealt and I can grieve and 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 dealt with all that, you know, that that trauma that I've dealt with in my life. What do you think for both of you? I'm just thinking about that like what 
what do you think is key to to being able to go through a, a healthy grieving process? Because obviously, you don't want to turn to alcohol, right? Like that's that's part of what you're taught to. You know, what's important to get you to a place where you're not turning to substances when you're trying to, you know, go through I, that grief? For me, I think it's just allowing myself to feel the emotions. I always try to hide myself from feeling the grief or feeling the, or, you know, of crying or, you know, we're always told to be tough and not, you know, not to show your emotions and different things like that, especially being a, you know, a black African-American, you know, guy growing up. You know, you're, tough, you're told to be taught tough. You're taught to be tough and, and hide those feelings. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is like, you know, if if I'm driving down the street and something makes me miss my dad and I, and I feel like crying, then I'll cry. You know what I'm saying? Whereas before, yeah. I would try to hold those feelings in and and, you know, be upset, you know, all day about something that, has nothing to do with people around me. You know what I'm saying? And it's affecting our mood and it's affecting my family. So the biggest thing that I would say is just to feel those feelings, man. And, and whenever you feel them, wherever you are, it just just let it out. Yeah, I, I remember I was talking to someone who had lost his wife unexpectedly. And um, he had said to me, actually last year, before we even started filming this, that the emotion, the emotion and the sadness of loss never goes away. Um, it's something that you have to, to take and understand that it will never go away for the rest of your life. You will miss that person for the rest of your life. You will, you will wish they were here, but they're not. So you just cope with living without them, but understand that that emotion, you have to feel it. You have to, um, like Cece said, when you feel like crying, feel like crying and grieve when you can, when you try to make it go away, when you try to act like it's not there and you don't miss them, then it, other things, it's just like a spiral and you just have to be open with your emotions and your feelings. Yeah, that's so important. Um, on a uh, just on a totally lighter detour, because we're talking about crying, and I I cry at everything. Like when it comes to you know movies, every I just like I'm I'm and I'm trying to think of see one of our first pods. You talked about what was the movie? It was with dogs where you're in the theater. You were like snot and tears. Oh, it was remember so that, man. I, I took Jaden to see that dumbass movie, babe. What the fuck was the name of that movie, what, man? Was I was it, so what, fucking it, mad I went to go see that movie. Uh, it, it wasn't Marley A Dog's and me, Life. Right? It's called A, a Dog's, Dog's Life. Life. Okay, Bro, gotcha. that movie was so sad and fucked up. I'm like, what am I doing in here crying in this fucking theater? Like, it was no, so... but I swear, if there, if the, if like it's a movie where dog is in the title, they're gonna get you to cry at some point. <laughs> he was not ready. By the way, Cece only goes to the movies like these kids' movies for the popcorn and the red vines. Yeah. So the fact that he was just there for the popcorn and the red I vines, I was just trying to so enjoy mad. my snacks, guys, and then I'm watching this movie and I'm fucking crying. I'm oh like, my what gosh. the fuck? Oh, I and I actually think shit. the kids, the kids made fun of him too because nobody else was crying. No, no, Jaden was crying. Jaden was crying. I, that doesn't count. Our yeah, daughter Jaden is like the most everything. emotional. Yeah. She'll cry at a drop of a dime. So, well, that she's my soul sister. <laughs> yeah, she was crying. That she's the only one who didn't make me feel like an asshole because I'm snotting tears at this movie. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, Amber. How about when you think? I mean, obviously. You know, the doc uh, goes through, you guys shot the final year and you deal with mm -hmm. this, the the arc of CeCe's career and obviously dive deep into the alcoholism and anxiety and grief and getting, you know, to a, a place of, you know, some level of acceptance and, and, and peace on the other side of that. But like when you just think about the highs of the career, you know, because mm -hmm. obviously the doc is also, I mean, spans 19 years of a professional uh, career, right? Well, what are what are the first things that come to mind when you think about, you know, just the the unique moments that you got to experience and help create during this journey? 
So there's a part where, um, which a lot of people saw on TV already, the 3000 when CC um, finally hit 3000 and me and the, um, all four of the kids have a three, a zero, zero, zero. Those damn 3000 numbers I had to care. I had to travel with them. And I told CC <laughs> in Anaheim, I was like, they were huge. And I was trying to put them in the suitcase without him knowing that I was. And then, so when he didn't make it in Anaheim, I'm like, damn it. I got to bring these huge 3000 numbers to Arizona. <laughs> and it was just like, so when I see that, I laugh because I'm like those damn 3000 numbers. And I remember we got home and Cece's mom was trying to keep them. She's like a hoarder. And she was like, no, we got to keep these. We, I was like, where are we going to put these? Where, where? I was like, throw them away. We don't need the numbers anymore. I don't want to see them. So it was a 3000 strikeouts. Um, um, there's a part at the end where little C is in it and God, I love CC. I love my husband, but boy, do I love my son. That Aww. is a mother son love that is like <laughs> no other. And so when you see little C at the end and you're seeing the beginning of his career and where he's about to go, that's, I mean, I definitely cry at that point. Mm, yeah. Those I mean, are happy tears. It's been just talk. I mean, C's talked a lot about over the last few weeks on the pod, just getting to do, go on that journey now with, it's yeah. so funny. Cause I feel it feels so like wrong to call your your oldest son Lil C anymore for me. I'm like, right? It's like he's 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 a, he's, he's a man. Like he's you know he he's he's big big C. Yeah, yeah he's it, big it, exactly. <laughs> but I'm sure. I mean, it's got to be so fun for you to to go through this journey now, Amber. How about like you guys came to the Yankees uh, with you know a whole lot of attention. You know, this is the biggest free agent signing in baseball history at the, at the time Yankees at for their franchise had been starved of a championship, which, you know, it's ridiculous when you think about it, but for Yankee universe, not winning since 2000 is a nine years, a long time. What, what was it like adapting to new culture, you know, new clubhouse, new expectations, all of that, you know, as you're trying to become a part of this new community? So I give a lot of credit to Laura Posada. Um, I had met Laura a few years prior. And when I got to the Yankees, I was kind of still in that whole Cleveland mindset of like, oh, you know, and she was like, <laughs> you know, she sat me down. She was like, girl, let me tell you how this goes. And I felt like Laura Posada, um, Jean, gotta love Jean. Jean kind of took me under her wing too. Um uh, Jenny Steinbrenner, just the whole, all the women of baseball at the Yankees really took me under their wing and kind of helped me and guided me in the right direction. And Gene, I'm um, guessing is Gene Afterman. Gene Afterman. Yeah, yeah. Gene yeah. Afterman. Oh, yeah. who is amazing. amazing. I I She's guess, an amazing If I could woman. just give yeah. a shout out right now yeah, to one of the most yeah. hard, hard, hard working women in baseball is Gene. I look up to her. She's a mentor to me and she's amazing. Amber, what was the biggest difference, like, coming to New York? Because you say, like, Laura was like, girl, this is a different Laura, animal. So yeah, what, Laura, what, what? Laura had said to me, she was like, look, this was her best advice she gave to me. She said, New York is a whole different platform. It's a platform. It's not like the others. Take it and strive. Do everything that you want to do now. People mm. will take your call right now. And boy, was she right. I mean, and, and mm. during CeCe's career off the field, on there's things that I did that I would not have been able to do if it wasn't for CeCe wearing those pinstripes. Um, so we definitely teamed up together, CC and I, and did a lot of things off the field together. I think like one year I, I looked in my Instagram, I was the face of women's fragrance. I don't know if you guys remember when Yankees had the, uh, 
Yeah, with the Yankees had the the perfume and cologne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I was the face of the women's of the women's line. I mean, so many things that you do here in New York. It's the city that never sleeps, and it definitely got me in this mindset of work. um, Outside of just being a mom and taking care of our four kids, um, I also had a career on the side as well, which was great. Well, and the and the career, you know, is thriving now i mean th- we're talking about the doc you know on right uh which i you know i i mean i haven't seen the credits but i'm guessing you both are eps on. R- not r- both r- of us no, no just you amber <laughs> just, just you all right all right cool i like it see it's just the talent then I like <laughs> it. I'm, I'm just here guys yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that should be. We should get a uh, roto wear to make that shirt. Typical like, athlete shirt. Here, People cause... just make the money off you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that is that that is awesome though. But I mean, how about yeah. how how cool is it for you guys now? You know, for both of you to get to work on these different ventures and and projects together because you know, Amber, I get to experience it just just in our move to the ringer, right? To go behind the curtain a little bit. It's like all, right. all of a sudden I get a text from Amber and she's like, so this is what we're thinking. You know, like a- Amber's moving chess pieces behind the scenes, right? Like, so I'm definitely the wifeager. <laughs> I'm the wifeager. I like yeah. that. But you guys, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're involved in a lot of things now, right? I mean, you have, uh, you, you obviously, we have the pod, you have pitch in, roots of fight. You, you have roots of fight, which has been a massive success with what you guys have done with the Negro league collection. I believe has had a tangible effect on what we just saw with major league baseball and, you know, accepting and naming the Negro leagues as a major league and those stats now counting towards major league statistics and hall of fame status. Um, But you know, you also, you have this doc I I know. And I mean, you have the book coming out. I know of other projects you have in the works as well. We won't talk about specifics, but what is it like for you guys right now to work on each other and kind of like, Whoa, you know, we, we have, we have this platform. There's so many different ways we can go with this. No, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's so much different things that we had going on, especially during like the coat, like quarantine and stuff. Um, mm. Honestly, like this doc came during that whole time. So we were basically, you know, trying to figure this this whole thing out because we had all this footage and we're able to get to HBO early in in quarantine and, uh, you know, figure out something where we can try to put this thing out and and. Grateful. I mean, I'm I'm grateful that we were able to get it out this year. You know, like I just retired last year. We didn't want to put it out late in 21 because then the story gets stale. Been yeah. retired for you know two years basically. So to be able to put it out, you know, in 2020 uh, was huge um, because we stopped filming in January. We like we we filmed all the way up until January this year. And we and then we continue to film once in August. Um, we started back filming to finish the doc as well with HBO. So. Uh, a lot. Some people watch Netflix and Shield. Cece and I worked. Yeah, we got it in. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about Amber? What's What's it like, like when you're working with C on projects? Because you know we we know you're the boss, Amber. We know that. But what what kind of what kind of partner is C like on this stuff? So uh, I, I, this is the, this is like some some like girlfriend hey girl talk. So this is the <laughs> advice that I give many MLB wives and and different panels that I've done is uh, about ten years ago, right in the beginning of Cece's career, I was trying so hard to not be Cece's wife and to be Amber Sabathia, and it was like a struggle, like burning sensation in me to not be 
um, affiliated with CC Sabathia, the Yankee pitcher, but to be Amber Sabathia. And then at one point I realized, what are you doing? You're making it harder for yourself. And together you guys are so much stronger. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I realized that CC and I, when they say power couple, we are truly a power couple and together we can make, I mean, we can move mountains. And so once, once I came to terms with that and, and CC started going by, um, Amber's husband, we were good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, uh, th- I wish the audience could see the smile on your right. face right now. See? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> on YouTube, they'll be able to. Uh, that's, but I, but I oh, get that, but right? Together, like the partnership. We definitely, the partnership, the, the way we work, um, you know, like I said, when I said at the beginning, CeCe's ideas are phenomenal. CeCe is uh, very creative and things that he wants to do. And I have a great hand in just executing and together, I mean, we just really make it happen. I definitely listen to his ideas and I give my uh, uh, criticism, but constructively mm-hmm. uh, and, and it, we make it work. And so I think together there's no one bigger than the other. Just we, we've, you know, equally we, we were a power. See, what does Amber bring and what traits does she have that you don't that are so key for you? in navigating your life, your business ventures, everything in your world? Uh, for sure, just like the people skill part of it. Like, I don't like, you know me, I don't like to talk to people. Like, I don't like <laughs> small talk. If I don't know you, I don't want to talk no extra bullshit. And she loves that. That's what she loves to do. And we're, we're the exact opposite in that way. We're like, remember when we had Megan Sue on and we were, they were talking about how they, like, one talks fucking all day and one yeah. does it. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're exactly like that. Like, we're in the yeah. opposite, you know, but the, but our opposites make each other even stronger, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, for sure, the execution part of everything that I like, everything that you see us do is basically my idea. But she just puts it, puts it in the in the execution. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it's 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 fun to be able to to have somebody that can like match your creative t- your cre- creativity. You know, like if I say, hey, I want to have a fucking party in the backyard, like a festival. And she put together Cella. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, shit like that. That's how we work. Like, I'm like, hey, I want to go see the Northern Lights. And she puts together, like, the, like Finland. You know what I'm saying? So, we, I come up with this shit, and then she, she puts it, she puts it, she executes it. She executes it. And CeCe always says, uh, I could write a mean email. He's like, he's like, like, and like, babe, I need you to write this email for me. Or even, yeah. or even like, I, you know, I, my my idea was like, hey, I want to have a, a rock and jock uh, softball game in the stadium, and we ended up, you know, with the with the softball Ew. with the softball game in, the, yeah. in Yankee Stadium. You know what I'm saying? So, so shit like that. I mean, even down to the basketball thing that we was having at Barclays. That was, you know, that was uh, an idea I had just off the cusp, and then you know we were able to put it together. So. It's fun to be able to, like, create things in my head and then watch her, you know, go at it. Amber, when did you guys meet? How old were you? I was in the 10th grade. I was 15. We were at a house party. I will never forget. And Cece had a crew of, like, 10 guys in high school that were, like, the most popular, the coolest guys. And uh, (laughs) Cece, his whole crew was, like, it was a house party. So they were all dancing, and it was tight in the house. And Cece was sitting on the couch the whole party. And I was sitting across from him on the other side of the couch and I kept watching him and I was like, oh my God, he's so cute, but he's like so popular and girls kept coming up to him and he was completely ignoring them. And so I went home that night and my brother was at the same house party and I go to my brother and I'm like, do you know Cece? And he's like, yeah, we're on the basketball team together. Yeah, I know him. And I'm like, that's going to be your brother-in-law. 
Literally, wow. the that first night you said that. Night, the that, first night. That's and amazing. Here we are. That is we exchanged incredible. numbers that night. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no? Uh, we didn't exchange numbers. I had my friend reach out to oh, your Jamila, friend to yeah, tell yeah, him yeah, yeah. that yeah. I liked you and I was interested. And then you guys, he played hard to get, and it was oh. like, I like this girl who likes me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So his mom was checking me out at a basketball game because I was a cheerleader. And she went home and she was like, she's cute. She's yeah. cute. So then. <laughs> so it was Marge who gave gave the final okay for. She gave the final. Your, Marge and my uh, grandma at the time. Do you guys remember your first date? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The movie theater that we didn't go to the movies. We didn't go to the movies. We, we <laughs> drove to the movie. So like. We had, uh, for, for, for whatever reason, she always had a boyfriend, always had a girlfriend. But at this time, did, were we, at the time we went on that date, I don't know. If, but we, for whatever reason, we never went to do anything. So, like, you seen that picture of us with the FUBU shit on yeah. and all that? That yeah. was like a secret photo shoot we took. We drove <laughs> an hour and a half to go take those fucking pictures. So, oh, for us to go to Where the, the boyfriend and girlfriend couldn't find you guys. Where, so, where nobody us. could see us to take the pictures. <laughs> It wasn't like camera phones and shit back there, but it was just like people like, oh, Amber and Cece taking pictures. Like, it would have been a big deal. So we drove far. But anyway, we drove to Pinole <laughs> to go to the movies. Right? We, it was Pinole. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we never went in. We just, we, st we stayed in the car. We stayed in the truck the whole time. It was raining. And we was like, and oh, talked, it's another yeah. movie in an hour. We'll go in an hour. And we just stayed, we stayed there all night. Oh, that's amazing, and talked, man. talked and talked and talked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. By the way, I feel like there's so many great, um, romance stories of like especially in those years right where one one or both people have a boyfriend or or, or a girlfriend like i feel like most yeah. of the like most of the great like met in their teens or early 20s stories start that way you know yeah so, for sure like i yeah and it, it's crazy because even when we were in high school every valentine's day we ended up spending together and we both mm -hmm. had a boy i had a boyfriend he had a girlfriend <laughs> but we always ended up together on valentine's day every Pauline, year. Yeah. yeah. What are you telling your What are you telling your boyfriend or girlfriend as you're not spending uh, Valentine's Day with There them? was no social media back then. You could yeah. just say your mom won't let you go out, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't even remember. It was nothing that like yeah, it was no social media or nothing. So nobody yeah, could. You could yeah. lie. It was we so we literally went to the bowling alley on on Valentine's Day. Like yeah, that's yeah. so funny. Do you see? Do you tell me? Do you remember what you told your girlfriend at the time when you got when you went off with Amber to the bowling alley? Nah, but I, 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 I remember. Was. I remember not really caring, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I remember it not being a big deal. Like, I, like I just tell anything. It wasn't like a big elaborate thing. It was just like, oh, I can't, I can't make it today. <laughs> also, you guys, Cece was super cheap. Like, when I tell oh, you, yeah. super cheap. Oh, yeah, super cheap, guys. We went to go pay. At the time, it was $1.75. I'll never forget. And he turns around. He's like, do you have your $1.75? And I was me, like, oh, I, yeah. I need I'll that, pay Cass. for yours, too. <laughs> I mean, God, let me. I didn't have no job, guys. I need yeah. that loot. Hey, man. That's good. This is already my favorite R2C2 ever, by the way. Hell no. <laughs> I love this. It, you know what? It's so true, though, with the... Because you guys at that time, did you have us? You probably didn't have a cell phone yet either, right? Or did no. you? No. Yeah, no, we had pages. House phone. We yeah. had pages and, and house phones. Yeah. So, I mean, right. No one's like, you couldn't, it's not like you could even like text, you know, where you at or nah. whatever. There's none of that. Uh -uh. Like, so, so a lot easier to just live your life. I'm like, even in Chris Rock's uh, recent, you know, stand up that he, or maybe it was two stand ups ago when he's talking about like, you know, there used to be a time where, you just go to the grocery store and come home and no one had to t text you like, 
hey, where are you at? You didn't have to answer. Like no yeah. one could tell you. Like you, you just, you just were gone, and then magically you'd reappear. That's, that's how okay. I am though, because yeah. I lived in that era. So like, if I don't return your text or I don't like call you yeah. back, it just, just imagine us in the eighties. Like, oh. <laughs> like you can't get a hold of me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just how. Can I that's tell you live. guys? Cece's text message on his phone gives me the most anxiety. So <laughs> if you were to look on his text message right now, it's like. 700 unopened messages. <laughs> I got, well, I'm going to tell, tell you how many unread emails I got right now. Hold oh on. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. like, he doesn't 22, care. 7 like, unread emails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about none of that. Oh, and I have yeah. 143 unanswered uh, text messages. Text oh messages. My gosh. And, and I'll say, I'll be like, oh my God, so and so text me. I got to respond. And he's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I was like, what no, I have about? to. He's like, you do not have to respond. I was like, you do. We, we don't fight about this as in a fight. It's just yeah. who we are. Yeah. Is that if you need CC, you text me. Yep. If you need an answer, you text. You're going to get it from me immediately. And you know from what's crazy? So After much. like now for so long, I mean, it's probably been like that for the last, we've been married for 17 years, probably been like that the last 10 years that we've been married. Now it's, it, it's like been it's, 18 years. It's been 18. Yeah, well, 18 years. But it's, it, it don't even <laughs> it don't even bother me, or it don't even bother people that I, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. if they can't get yeah. a hold of it, just call right to Amber. Like it's not even like a a big deal no more. You know well, what I'm saying? I'm a case study for that. Like I I know if I, <laughs> if I, I I know like if I have to get if you don't answer me, which you know. I I'd say you've gotten a lot better in, in with that. Like I am better. Whatever. Yeah, you are better. But if you retirement. Don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you don't answer me, I know, like, if it's something I have to get done, like, I know I can go to Amber or I can go to Sadie. Like, yeah. I know, like, I, I know that, you know, those will get things up. But it is funny because people do this, like, all the time where they they reach out to me after, like, people who have your information, see, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, you know, I called him, but he didn't call back or, like, text him, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, like, I'm not his fucking assistant. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he wants to, like, you, that's the right number. If he wants that, to get a hold of you. That's definitely his number, yeah, guys. exactly. <laughs> like, he'll, he'll answer. Like, this is how he communicates. Like, you know, he might go four days, and then all of a sudden he'll hit you back. You know, yeah. like, that, that, that's the way. But actually, I do think there's not enough of that, right? And, I mean, yes, there are certain things where they need to get done on time, but there's a lot of things that aren't urgent, and people act like they are just because of where we're at with technology. And so I find your approach refreshing, see. <laughs> I, I, I endorse it. What about navigating kids in the social media and this technological era? I mean, I, you know, God willing, I'll have kids sometime, you know, in the not too distant future, but that terrifies me. And you guys have kids that span a lot of ages. What is, is, is Carter 10 now? Carter's 10. 10. All right, and then little C is seventeen. Yep. All right, so you have ten to seventeen, right? So you're you're you know running. How how old are are Saya and yeah, thirteen and, and fifteen? Now? Thirteen and fifteen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Twelve. So, I mean, twelve and oh, 15. twelve and fifteen. 12, 15 sorry. Okay. They're right. three years apart, right? Yeah. The girls so, are. I mean, what what kind of parental advice could you give to people who don't have kids yet who are tapping into that or? who have kids who are just starting to be a part of that. What would you say as far as navigating, you know, social media and technology with your kids at this point in time? 
Carter just got an Instagram the other day. I think he named it like It's Your Boy Carter. I don't want to shout that out on RTC2, so don't search for it. Um, make it just and, make it private and don't let him accept anything. We did. Right? We, yeah. we, we, we actually had to make yeah. it private because he wasn't. And he was like, I have over 100 followers. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like a super fan on your Instagram. And yeah. then he was like, we had to explain to him about like, Throwback Thursday because he was posting pictures from like two years ago and we're like you're trolling people, people. guys you catfishing people guys <laughs> you, you don't look oh like that yeah he was, oh, he was posting the thin pictures and shit guys you don't look like that no more you can't post those <laughs> not pictures. the thin pictures <laughs> he was posting thin pictures guys <laughs> he, he, he was yes. oh my gosh that's adorable oh that's he's amazing. definitely gained a little quarantine fifteen and uh, oh my gosh he was, th- he was he was making it look like he was like traveling day by day so it was like. Today I'm in Paris. Today I'm in Quebec. Today I'm in Finland. And we're like, we've done those trips, but you wait till Thursday or Friday to post those. Oh, but no, man. in all seriousness, um, I'm big on being private yeah. uh, for the kids until they're old enough to understand that there's a lot of crazy people out there. Yeah. And when when you do become public, you have to be strong enough to filter that and and kind of your skin has to be thick enough. So little C, and this is a shout out, go follow little C on Instagram because we're <laughs> definitely building his platform right now. Yeah. Um, it's Karsten III. So Karsten three. So Karsten III. Um, you know what? I don't know. If I, I'm going to follow him too, Amber. I don't know if I did. Him. I know. I don't know if I did. <laughs> like I got to follow but, him. And he's starting his baseball career and, you know, the, the momager in me um, and branding and marketing him, it was time for him to go public. When yeah. we did that, I had to really have a serious conversation with him about DMs and crazy people mm-hmm. and how people can, like Cece said, catfish. And so be very careful with who you're um, talking to within your social media realm. And and it's OK to just keep it in your circle and not go to that other page of the, uh, you know, the people you don't follow that are DMing you. You know what's crazy? For the most part, though, our kids are pretty private. Private. I mean, just because are. we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're pretty lucky in that way. The only one I worry about is Carter because he's a fucking nut. But like, <laughs> the rest of them have sense and they're and they're private. But Carter, <laughs> Carter is Carter is different, man. That that kid is he's just he's on a different planet. He's so. gonna be the president. He's, he's, yeah, he's the only one that I worry about, like with social media and stuff. <laughs> but the rest of them are are you know, pretty responsible and, and, and like their privacy, kind of like their dad. That's good. That, that is good. You know, it, it's funny when you say like, like their privacy, like their dad, and you were talking about the difference dynamics between you two before. And I know you're shy, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I know how you are now. And it was funny, even when we did what you guys had arranged the virtual watch for pitch in foundation, uh, with, uh, with game two of the world series. And Pecos was talking about, he's like, you know, you know, see, he ain't the friendliest guy when you first meet him, whatever. <laughs> but it's funny because you you have an absolutely Hall of Fame laugh and an infectious smile. And I, and you do come across like this and you are this incredibly likable guy. But people take that to mean you're also like super social. Who, yes. Who will yeah. be working a, at a cocktail party and whatever. And I'm always like, no, like when you first meet Cece, he's not going to want to like ask you 30,000 questions about your life. He's going to, he's like, he's a shy dude until, you know, you get to know him. Like that's not, he's, 
he's an introvert, right? And what you know what? But, that, but this is where, like, going back to alcoholism, this is where I thought I had I would have to work the room. Like, if I yeah. was going to some place and I, and I need to be social, I would want to have a couple drinks just so I could, like, be mm-hmm. in that mode. You know what I'm saying? So I was actually putting myself out there where, where I was not comfortable with if, if you saw me like that before. You know what I'm saying? Where now yeah. I can just be myself and be reserved and, and not care if people don't, if people see me, you know, if people see me one way and actually when they meet me, I'm a different way. I, I used to worry about that, but now I don't give a fuck because I am who I am. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I can't change me. I can't change that. You're not trying to live up to your avatar. And I was, I was always trying to live up to the avatar. And, yeah. that, and, that, and that's where alcohol came in big time. Dude, I, I, I totally get that. It's funny, man, because I even see it in, again, behind the curtain stuff, but I know it from the people we work with who you connect with, right? Like we've had at different times, different engineers or whatever come in and work a random podcast or whatever. Like I knew from Jump, one of our producers right now who also engineers the podcast, Bobby Wagner, that you were going to vibe with him because Bobby's the kind of dude who's like, he ain't going to pepper you with 40,000 questions the second he sees you and try and like turn you into that like I'm gonna milk all the gregariousness out of this dude, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But there's some other dudes who maybe from time to time we've had who like you walk in and they want to ask you thirty thousand questions about the Yankees, and you know it's understandable. But like that's not you're not vibing with that. Like that's not who you actually are. You want to like you know you just want to chill and be yourself and whatever, right? Not it, it's and it's not a um. It's interesting because it's just like it's it's who you are. Like that's your that's your actual genuine personality. Like you're you're a you're a very like introverted dude at heart, right? Uh, well, I just like to think of myself as normal. I guess yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Like I'm just like I, I, like people think celebrities or who they perceive celebrities or athletes to be on all the time. And some guys can do that shit. Like some guys can be on all the time. I can't, man. Like I live a normal fucking life. I got four kids. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I don't want to fucking talk. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? If I don't know you... We have a joke where we say, I ask him, I say, is your battery at yellow or is that red? And he says red... You ever seen those uh, five-hour energy commercials where the people walking around with the battery on yeah, top? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. people could see my fucking battery. So if my shit is on red or yellow, don't come asking me no stupid shit. If I'm on green, let's go. But when That's I'm on red great. or yellow, get the fuck out of my face, guys. That's great. That's fantastic. I love it. Amber, how about... Um, you know, when you think about balancing being a mom, being the, you know, entrepreneur, media mogul, businesswoman now, and also, you know, being being a wife, navigating the travel schedule that you had, what are sort of like, you know, your foundational principles or, or how, what do you go back to that keeps you grounded and, and keeps you able to manage everything? Right. So uh, the the question of how do you balance it all? Right. So I think the the best way is to be okay with not doing it all. Sometimes you're not going to get everything done. You're not going to make every call. You're not going to reply to every email. Um, One of the blessings during COVID for me, and I had told Cece this, is realizing all those galas and dinners and Oh, she would try to go to every fucking gala, bro. (laughs) Every gala. What you doing tonight? Some fucking gala getting dressed up three days days a week. It was ridiculous. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Like, all those galas, I I just, I I realized that they're not necessary. And like Cece said earlier, I'm the ultimate networker, right? I could talk you, I could talk you down. Like, I will talk to a 
homeless person on the street and by the end of that conversation, figure out how I can help them. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. like the philanthropist in me. And that's, you know, sorry, guys. No, all good. No See, gonna, you're getting, no you're getting business answer calls the right gate, now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No one, no one is answering the gate, but I will right now. Here. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and being the philanthropist and, and wanting to give back. Right. So mm. I'm always like, you know, how can we help? Um, you can't help everybody. You can't answer every call. You can't answer every email. Um, but just be okay with not doing it all. And I think that's what's gotten me so far is realizing, you know, I didn't do it today, so I'm going to have to get to it tomorrow. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Um, I'm going to try to get a good eight-hour sleep and, and get right back to it. But, boy, taking out all those galas and concerts and things has given me a lot of time to work, which is exciting. Mm. <laughs> but you know what, too, though? We we kind of grew up in this chaotic shit, though. Like, you know, mm. like, she's she's been there every step of the way. Like, there's not, hasn't been a part, whether it's from the minor leagues to, to right now, that she hasn't been a part of. So, this is kind of like our lives. Like, every day. Like, we just kind of grew up in this, if that makes sense. Like, right. every day yeah. of our adult life has been fucking baseball. Like, yeah. Every day since we've been adults, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's something baseball, and now we with little C, it. but now with little C turning into this baseball player, it's even an hour ago we were on the Zoom with a, with a college. So like that's just like you know it's just kind of our our day to day now. I mean it's it's just chaotic, but it's but it's our life if that makes sense. Amber, what's something about C that has been consistent since the day you met him when he was 15? That still is you know, so obvious about him now today? Uh, Cece wants to help people. And and it's not necessarily monetarily. Um, monetary, it, it, you know, he could write a check and he could um, donate, of course, you know, that's, that's a given. But he wants to be hands-on and he wants to help in that way. So if mm. it's from like a friend, one of the text messages that he'll actually answer will be like <laughs> someone that's like, hey, can you reach out and call this young guy? Mm. Or we were down in um, Atlanta during the summer and one of CeCe's old retired baseball players called him and told him to say, what's up to a young kid that he knows. And CeCe had to find that kid to say, what's up? It wasn't getting the kid cleats, getting him a glove, signing a ball. It was literally, he had to go say, what's up to that young kid. And mm. so he's always been that way that he wants to be hands-on, but it's like sincere, genuine, and real that he knows that having that conversation with a young kid can make such a difference and an impact like it did for him when he was young and Dave Stewart. And I know he's talked about all that and, and those older guys that really pushed him along the way. He wants to be that same guy. And even like with the Players Alliance now, he's spending so much time on the Players Alliance and being there for those young kids. Um, one night he was doing a Zoom and it was a hundred and something kids on the Zoom, young kids in the minor league system. And he was so passionate about mm. actually just talking to them. Um, and that's been since day one is, you know, when he can, he's there. How about, see, I'll ask you the same question. What's something about Amber that has not changed since you guys were 15 years old? Uh, I just, uh, her thoughtfulness. And I always say this, she's like the most thoughtful person I ever, I've ever been around in my life. Like, she can have one conversation with you and figure out what would be the best gift to get you for your birthday or, <laughs> you know, how to how to make an impact on your life. So, like, she she literally is, like, and she's always been like that. She's always, I don't know, she's always just given more than she was willing to receive, if that makes sense. And, mm. and uh, you know, that's been, that's been from day one for sure. I love that. I also, I mean, a lot of people, we have some Twitter questions for you too, Amber. So, you know, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, of, uh, of I'm, course. I'm ready. We, we I'm have ready. to entertain those. And one of the things they asked about, which feels like a good segue, given what you you each just said about each other, um, was pitch in. And you know, we had multiple people ask about pitch in foundation and and just kind of you know your your passion, your mission behind it. So I just want to give you the chance, Amber, as well as you see, just to you know further educate people or let them know what are the next steps for pitch in, what you guys are working on right now, anything that you you want to share about where you guys are at with your foundation? Yeah. You know, for me, people say, you know, you get the question, Oh, what do you do? And I can a hundred percent passionately say I am executive director of the pitch in foundation that every day I wake up and I go to my office and I'm in my office most of the times beyond eight hours working on the pitch in foundation. And so that is my fifth child. It's definitely what <laughs> CC and I, it is, it is our passion project. Um, and, and I'll give credit back to CC again, where it was his idea. He was like, I want to go back into the inner city. I want to bring baseball back into the inner city. And I want black kids to enjoy the game, um, which is something that was lacking. And he goes, I want to start renovating fields. And he wrote a check and it didn't happen the way we expected it to happen. And we founded the Pitch In Foundation together. And since then, to date, we've renovated multiple fields. We've done um, different programs. We work very closely with the Boys and Girls Club. Um, programming, field renovation, baseball clinics. We've branded and reached out uh, a couple of years ago and we support other players and the work that they want to do as well in their hometown and giving back. And it's just grown so much in the past uh, 12 years now. Um, and it's just giving back to the inner city through education and athletics and promoting self-esteem. Telling those kids, Cece and I are both from the inner city, but telling those kids that they can follow their dreams and they can become whatever they want. Not necessarily a baseball player because not everybody wants to be a baseball player, um, but whatever their dream is to follow it. And we are there to support that. We probably should take some of these social media questions, right? Are you are you good yeah. with that, Amber? I'm ready You're for right? like some let's really good, juicy, yeah. let's embarrass yeah. Cece ones. Oh, okay. Well, hey, <laughs> if you just want to give embarrassing stories about Cece, you could do that, Amber. You could just start rattling them off. This so well, first of all, this is a nice compliment. Nicole Rosenbaum says. Nothing to say to Amber except that as much as I love her husband, I definitely love her more. What a badass woman and mother. Oh, um, yes. Thank very, you. Thank you. Very sweet from Nicole. Uh, okay, here you go. This is um, Rip Griffin Show says two questions. What's the hardest part of having a husband who's a professional baseball player? What's the best part of having a husband who's a professional baseball player? So the hardest part when he was playing is knowing that half of the season I was a single mother. Mm. So unless I was following him on the road as the kids got older, it was almost impossible with school for us to follow dad. And so I was home with four kids by myself, um, had lots of help. His mom, Margie, was an amazing um, support system for us. But dad being gone, you know, there's certain things if a kid gets in trouble at school or, you know, you just need help and you want to take a shower. Um, without a kid banging on the shower door. Um, and dad is there to support that, that every other week he was gone and he wasn't there. Um, so that was the hardest part, but I wouldn't change it for the world because that was the best part is dad and being out there and cheering him on and the life that he has blessed us all with um, and just been able to support all of our dreams um, is that's the best part. 
All right, that, here's one. Oh, go for okay. it, see? No, yeah. I'll just say that that is the hardest part is being, being a dad, too, is being away from the family so much. So you're not like, you're not like in the family. You know what I'm saying? And then by the time you get integrated <laughs> back into the family in the offseason, then spring training. So it's like you, you never get into like a real rhythm of, of being in the family. Have you noticed a difference, C, and how, and how much have you enjoyed it, if so, since being retired? Oh, no, I'm locked in now, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm all, like, especially after quarantine, you know, and, and it being no school, I mean, no, no uh, extracurricular activ- activities. We were just locked in the house. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was easy to get back into the groove and figure out what the kids like, what they don't like. Like, you don't know all of that shit during the season because you, you know what I'm saying, they grow so fast, you miss so much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm back to being regular dad now. I'm locked in. It's like uh, dad will be home. It'll be an off day because he's never home at night, right? Even when he's here during the season, never he's gone at, at the stadium. Yeah. So it's like an off day and he's home finally. And he's like, oh, we're ordering pizza tonight. And we're all looking at him like, "Uh, no, we order Chinese on Thursdays. Like, what yeah. are you? <laughs> it's yeah. just like, don't try to come in here and mess up what we got going on. You yeah, don't get a vote. A, yeah, you don't get a vote. You're just kind of like, you know, you're just living peripheral lives, kind of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I mean, I... That makes sense, though, right? Like, because think about it. No matter what, during that season, you're at night. You're gone, like that. You yeah. know, from from what two o'clock on, you're gone. Like, mm-hmm. so if I don't get up to take the kids to school or see them off in the morning, I won't see them. Yeah, at all. Yeah, that's tough. And you got four. You know, that's a lot to track. Yeah, this isn't this is. Well, you, you kind of don't track the last two. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the first two. <laughs> The last two, they kind of just be on their own, really. That's why Carter's so fucking independent now. Uh, I love it. It's great. My favorite thing was Carter's reaction to the trip to Japan on the field for your uh, oh, ceremony. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he so was fired so up. He was so excited. He was so fired up. Actually, that act- I, there's a few more interesting questions I want to get to, but that leads me to um, something I wanted to ask you guys about. Uh, the tribute that... You had a couple videos that were played for UC uh, mm-hmm. in your final game and um, or, you know, the ceremony at Yankee Stadium for you. And uh, I know our uh, friend Brandon Mim with the Yankees uh, helped arrange with you, Amber, the one with the letter that you guys wrote to C with you, all your kids, Margie as well. I, I mean, with... We talk about emotions and that and see you were emotional on the field. I don't think I know a human who watched that who wasn't emotional. But what was that like, Amber, for you, like writing and reading and then watching it back, the the video, which if anybody hasn't seen it, I think you can find it on uh, on YouTube. But it's just a beautiful tribute of just CeCe's whole family expressing their love to him in, in letter form, but narrated by them uh, as a tribute video to the end of his career. You are our hero and the strongest person we know. You're an inspiration and a role model to not only us, but fans everywhere. The legacy you have built for this family is beyond anything I could have imagined. You lead by example for our children and also the children we serve through the Pitch In Foundation. You've proven to today's youth that a child from the inner city is capable of achieving incredible dreams. Yeah, Brandon called me and he was like, hey, I have this idea. And that was season 19, right? So that was our legacy season. So we were so busy that I was kind of like, oh, God, you're killing me, Brandon. He's like, I promise it's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, it's just another thing. And then I had the 
hide this from him. So Brandon comes over, they're like filming all the trophies and we're taking all, we literally took all his trophies out of the cases. And then I told Cece, I think we were just talking about this the other day, that keeping that from him was so hard because we had to get to the stadium early to film the writing the letter without him knowing we're literally in the press room right across from the uh, locker room and, and filming this and, and writing this out. And Brandon promised me it would be worth it. And it was beyond worth it. He did an amazing job with that video. Um, his, his idea and, and how he was telling me, I couldn't even envision it. And it was beautiful. Yeah, that, I mean, I I didn't want to be crying and like emotional, <laughs> but man, it's it's hard to watch that and, and not and not you know get emotional, especially like hearing the kids' voices like that. That was crazy. Yeah, uh, it's so beautiful. All right, this is an interesting question. Max Greenfield asks, "What was it like being one of the only black spouses on CC's team?" CC has talked about how difficult it is in the clubhouse being one of the only black players. Did you feel the same way? when you're interacting with teammates, families. Absolutely. Um, this is crazy. I was just talking about this too with someone else. Um, and as much as CC has talked about being the only black athlete in the clubhouse, um, I was the only black wife in the family room. And there was also many, many years where, um, there were other black players on the team and I was still the only black wife in the locker room. I mean, in the family room. So, um, even with a, a bit of diversity on the team, there was still the lack of the diversity in the family room and amongst my kids. Um, but it's one of those things that you see lacking and, you know, you just hope that by the things that CC's doing with the players Alliance and with the pitching foundation, and that we could just bring that diversity to MLB. Um, and I see it already expanding um, tremendously with, you know, just bringing that um, love of baseball to the black community again. Um, it was hard at times. And, 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 uh, I wish Shady was in on this right now. I don't know how many people have sp spoken to me in Spanish in the Bronx. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I am definitely Amber from the, from the block. So, um, a lot of times I'm mistaken as being Dominican, um, in baseball a lot of times. Um, and so I always kind of every year had to reintroduce myself as not being, um, a Dominican, baseball wife, but being a black wife in MLB. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that you push through and you could either just complain about it or you could try to fix it. And I think the work that CeCe's doing with the Players Alliance is really fixing it. Yeah, I loved seeing it just even last, uh, well, when we, were, when we had Adam Jones on, you talking mm -hmm. about the actionable steps you guys are taking, seeing all these young kids who are out here playing and then just like where they're not then getting that to the know, next level yeah that support yeah. they need or the opportunity they need to get to the next step right and trying to solve that with the players alliance i love that yeah i think i think it's really important too not just uh in the clubhouse i think also in the front office and um you know the diversity inclusion equity that we're looking for in mlb starts all over mlb and it's and you know it's senior senior leadership and management and all those jobs as well um needs that um moving forward no doubt um, this is uh, a little throwback question. Logical Yankee asks, Amber, what was CeCe's free agency process like for you? Was there a city you had your eye on? Were you apprehensive at all about CeCe becoming a Yankee? So we, we talk about this, I believe, in the doc as well, that um, we were terrified of New York. I thought, you know, I go, oh, CeCe's going to go and like 
get like he's gonna be around Jeter and A Rod, and you know <laughs> he's gonna think he's the shit. And I was like, let me humble him a little bit. We can't go to New York. Um, but I was open for wherever. I remember telling Cece uh, during the free agency, I said, do you want to be with a team that is offering you a maybe mm, w- w- we'll put you as our two or three? Or do you want to go with a team that wants you? And from day one, the Yankees made it very clear that they wanted Cece and they they were not going to stop. Um, and I was like, go where you're wanted. And, and they they were there and they supported him throughout his whole career. So it was one of the best decisions that we made for sure. But we were definitely looking on the West Coast, though. Like we were, you know, we didn't definitely didn't think it was going to be in New York. We were looking at houses up and down the West Coast and just trying to figure out that life. But, you know, we you know ended up settling here and it being the best decision we made for sure. I love it. Well, I- I'm grateful for it, too, you know, just uh, <laughs> for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, all right. One or two more, Amber. Um, all right. This is from... Uh, Jack uh, Straw says, uh, what type of work uh, did you have to do to maintain yourself and your family through CeCe's alcoholism? So I'm a firm believer in therapy and and not just couples therapy. Um, when we started the process of CeCe admitting to his alcoholism and the things that he had to do, we attempted uh, couples therapy and we realized that um, together you know, you can't work on each other if you don't work on yourself individually. And so I then went to therapy and and through that whole process, really figured out how to cope with it, be okay with it and how to support it. And um, that was one of the best things that I did for myself, because if I'm good and I'm whole, um, I could help support him and, you know, and be a part of this. So uh, personal growth and personal work is just as important as supporting your spouse. I love it. No, I mean, the, the the support that I had while I was in rehab, but her and my mom coming up every day. I mean, even my little cousin cooking food every day. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was, uh, uh, I had a huge support system, you know, uh, especially, you know, my mom and my wife coming up every day to the, to the facility um, was, was big. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that was, uh, that was, that was big time for me getting through it for sure. So, yeah. I drove three hours every day for a 30 minute day. visit. Wow, yeah. really? Oh and my she was god. Like, her and my mom were the only people I would let come. I, I didn't let uh like Jeet tried to yeah. come. I think a, a couple people, different people tried to come. I wouldn't let them come up there. Only person that came up there was Stevie. Um Steve yeah. Donahue, the trainer. And and wow. I told I told Stevie not to go and he still went. He still came. He went against me. <laughs> he still came. Man, Stevie's a brave man going against Stevie. Amber. Stevie's my guy, bro. That's my uh, guy. I love Stevie. Oh, that's you know what? Um we're all, I, I can't wait for the doc. Uh, it's it's going to be, you know, I mean, for you guys to see your story and on HBO and to know the work you put into the art of it as well, just creating it, it's got to be just, it's got to be amazing and, and so satisfying. And congratulations to you both because this is, this is big and, uh, and it's well you. deserved. And I just want to say like, People are asking, like, why did CC actually do it, right? It wasn't just because he wanted an HBO doc, but you'll see by the whole the whole viewing of the doc that he's doing it to help someone. By telling his mm-hmm. story, he's hoping he helps someone else. And even if you just help one person about being open and admitting to substance abuse and admitting that you have a problem and seeking out help, whether it be therapy or rehab or something like that, um, at the end of it all, that's that's what was so important with this doc is to help others. Well, amen. And I know it will. Um, and see, 
you know, I think we let you off the hook without embarrassing you too badly, right? Like, didn't did, you can't did. embarrass me, dog? <laughs> I think I think that means I need to come on again. I think so I too. Think, I think I think I, we need like I really wanted to do a couples like a who knows who better or best type of of game show. I think we need another couple on here and do it. Let's we can get Sue and Megan on here. I would love that. I would love that. We we definitely should. We definitely should. We could do our own like R two C two. It's not newlyweds because, you know, you guys have been together for a long time, but whatever that would be, whatever the new, it's like. But it could be like wedge. the old married couple versus the new married yeah. couple, right? Yeah. It could Amen. be like a really yes. cool. Yes. I think that would right. be awesome. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> hey, I got, I, I have a, I have a, 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 a wife of two months, so we'll see if we can, we can stack oh, up. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll see if we can stack up. We get Megan and Sue. We, we go through, we can, we can get some different Yankees in here. I like it. Amber, you are welcome back on R2C2 anytime. Don't let C tell you otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it may become like A2C2, and I might be out, but that's all right. (laughs) It's okay. But seriously, Amber, thank you for this. Congrats on the doc. And just to remind our audience, the documentary is out on HBO on December 22nd. That's Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, and then afterwards, I'm guessing they'll be able to find it on HBO max as well after it airs on HBO. Right. So make sure you guys go check it out. It's going to be amazing. Um, and, uh, and make sure you also are following us on Spotify at R2C2 and a very happy holidays to everybody, including you guys have a wonderful Christmas guys. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Thank you too. You. Same to you. To those, those Christmas games, guys. Hey, amen. Yeah, double header. <laughs> noon and 1030. All right, well, big thanks to Amber Sabathia, who was just as sensational as we knew she would be. And certainly we'll be back on the podcast sometime soon. And could obviously take my co-hosting job at any moment. So hopefully that part doesn't happen, but hopefully we do have Amber on again. I also want to just whisper to you guys real quick before we announce the winners of our holiday contest, how amazing was the end of Mandalorian? Oh my gosh. Cece hasn't seen it yet. So I we can't, we can't fully get into it yet. Some of you probably haven't seen it yet, but oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The end of season two. It's just incredible. If you're a Star Wars fan, you for some reason haven't seen it yet, or if you're just a fan of things wonderful, you need to watch this. It was incredible. All right, got that out of my system. Now it is time for us to reveal the winner of our holiday contest. CC is going to be giving out multiple pairs of autographed cleats. And you know, the cleats are cool because they're they're Jordan brand cleats anyway. I actually have a pair here that CC signed for me, which is very nice of them. They'll go up in the... Uh, the office of the man cave someday. Um, but I, uh, I think this is pretty cool. So Bobby Wagner, our producer, he did a, uh, like random number generator to pick the winner. And the number that popped up was number 52. How ridiculous is that? That was the first number that popped up for Bobby to pick the winner. Just absolutely insane. Um, and if, so if, if you don't believe in, you know, cosmic things, universal energy, ah, you got to believe it. And now you are now. Okay, so the first winner is Pat Clare. Pat Clare is the first winner. Big thanks to Pat for entering and for shouting out two of our favorite guests, Adam Jones and Cameron Mabin, a couple of guys that we love. So, Pat, congratulations. 
Uh, we will be in touch with you. Uh, expect a DM from our coordinating producer, Sadie Zillow, who will be reaching out to uh, organize with you to get you the autographed cleats. And the second winner is Kyle underscore KD2 on Twitter, who I'm pleased to say was a big fan of our episode with the incomparable Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro League Museum, and Curtis Granderson. Outstanding episode. We love that episode. So happy that Kyle loved it too. Kyle, you will receive a DM from us on Twitter, so keep a lookout for that. And thank you to everybody who entered. I mean, it's really cool for us to see how many of you had us in your Spotify 2020 wrap top five and how many of you you know, just recommended the show to friends of yours, tagging them. We love that. And honestly, that's how the podcast grows, especially when you're annoying like we've been moving around and you got to follow a new feed. You guys hear me say it all the time, but it does. You know, you got you to tell people, hey, we move, come follow us. And uh, you guys getting the word out is really the best way that happens. So thank you, because that's how we're able to, you know, keep doing what we love to do. Um, we appreciate you guys for that. And uh, please keep spreading the word. And most importantly, have a happy, healthy holiday. Uh, however you celebrate, we hope you're able to do it safely in this wild, weird time and able to truly embrace uh, the blessings that we do have, even in a, a scary and unorthodox holiday season. So uh, God bless all you. Enjoy yourselves. Have a wonderful, happy, healthy holiday. And we will see you. We will have an episode uh, that's released on New Year's Eve. So we will see you Thursday, December 31st. Peace, everybody. Peace, everybody.